The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming Alvaro Marin onto the podcast, a recording and mixing engineer who currently works in the Latin music industry and whose credits include working with Shakira, Becky G, Abraham, Mateo, Netflix, Movie Star and Paramount+. Plus. He's here today to talk about some of his favourite projects and the meteoric rise in the Latin music industry. Welcome onto the podcast today. How are you doing? Great. Great. Just had a, a showing for a project in Atmos, uh, which is a lot of fun. And it should be coming out in March. And uh, looking forward to the interview. Okay, great. Well, we're very grateful to have you on. And you mentioned Atmos there, so I guess we might as well get right into it. What has what has been the uptake um, in terms of your workload on Dolby Atmos work over the last few years? That's a great question. Um, so I work at at Warner. I'm one of the in-house engineers at Warner Music Spain. Yeah. And uh, they partnered with Dolby to to create uh, two Atmos spaces. One is a 11.1.6, while the other one is a 9.1.6, all PMC speakers. So it's pretty pretty high end and it sounds great. And uh, you know, a lot of albums now are being pushed since we, especially since we have the service in-house now they're basically the majority are being pushed through through atmos and we get the stems and we and we uh spread them out and pen them out in uh, in that format and uh it's a lot of fun and you know a lot of contents going through also had the pleasure of listening to classic albums such as dark side of the moon and um, space oddity by david bowie in these formats in these rooms that were made by dolby so they sound quite great and it's uh, it's a whole different experience. It's pretty amazing, to be honest. Wow, it sounds it. So it's, what's the ratio of work like on Atmos work? Is that a lot of what you're doing now? Uh, in-house here, uh, here at Warner, yes. Uh, privately, clients haven't specifically asked for Atmos unless uh, somebody else is requiring them to have it. So independently, I think artists are still learning about it and, you know, you know, it's also an extra investment, so I think they they just not not there quite yet. But um, but here internally w- within the label, a lot of stuff is is getting pushed in Atmos. Maybe sixty percent of of the albums are, are are going through there. Okay, so where are you based at the moment then? So I'm in Madrid. Uh, I'm in Madrid, Spain. Uh, I've been here for about almost eight years now. I moved here in 2016. When I came to work with a Latin music producer, his name is Rayito. Um, he has credits like Carol G, Ricky Martin, uh, and a bunch of others within within this modern Latin industry. And uh, I just decided to stay. I liked what was going on here. I'm half Spanish, so it was a natural move. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I'm in Madrid, Spain. Okay, so... Before we get into your career and some more recent projects, it'd be good to get, you know, a little bit of a background on your early interest in music and music technology and that kind of thing. So uh, you grew up in South America. So whereabouts did you grow up? I did. I grew up or I spent most of my my youth, I guess you could say, in South America. I was there from nine to 18 years old. I uh, attended an international school, so so I was, you know, I was exposed a lot to, you know, American uh, culture and American day-to-day is kind of how I lived. Um, and 
I'm sorry, what, what, what was what was the second half of the question? <laughs> I just said, whereabouts in South America are you from? In Peru. Oh, Peru. <laughs> Peru. Oh, fantastic. Lima, Lima, Peru. Correct. Got it. Got it. So what, what music were you into when you were growing up there? I played bass. You know, I played bass. I played a lot of punk music, a lot of rock music. Uh, started with that. And then as I got into college, it, you know, the, the taste expanded a bit into into different other other genres and stuff okay and so when was it that you first were interested in music production because i know you went on to as you said to berkeley college of music and you did music business right but before that what made you think i'd like yeah, to try that so, definitely so so having a band in high school we got the opportunity to record a couple times and uh it was just a lot of fun i really liked i really liked the idea of being able to control everything in the studio you know how everything sounded and 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 the process of putting everything together and uh i just said this is a lot of fun and i think i'd like to do this more and uh you know i've always had a mathematical mathematical mind very analytical so that cross section between the technology and the creative part i've always found to be super fun mm. quite frankly okay yeah great yeah. and so you know as mentioned so then you did go and you studied music business so what is some key advice that you took away from your time there or it might have been something you realized outside of the classroom because I know it's not all about studying and that kind of thing it's about doing the job isn't it yeah yeah I mean there's both both the experience in the classroom have been super helpful the classroom really helped to understand understand the world I was about to go in you know what what it's about how you make money you know how negotiations take place what you can ask for, you know, because a lot of people don't tell you what you what your rights are per se, or, or what you can ask for, and then uh, and then the experience side. Well, you obviously see the nitty gritty in the day to day in terms of how those concepts are put into play and and the actual uh, negotiations and the the actual uh, exchange that takes place uh, between two different parties trying to trying to make something happen together. So, uh, you know, I think the, the school definitely helped and, and seeing that in person was, was also a, a great experience, even though I'm more on the engineering side, you know, I'm not yeah. necessarily negotiating and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it all plays a part, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, y- you know, the Berkeley also has an audio program, but, uh, but I feel like the music business program gave me a really good primer as to what to expect uh in in the industry Mm. and then did you ever move back to peru or did you stay in the u.s i did not move back to peru i actually haven't been back since 2010 wow and uh yeah uh, it would be nice to go back i moved to europe which is where my folks were for a while and then i moved to miami which is where i met this producer Uh, i was uh selling gear in a music shop and then that's when i came to to Madrid. But it'd be interesting to go back to Peru and see how it's changed. And, you know, I used to play the circuit with my rock band and stuff. And uh, I've heard it's it's grown a lot since then. And maybe it'd be nice to visit some studios and see what it's like down there right yeah, now. Yeah, and see the change. Do you still have family there? I don't. Uh, I don't because uh, my family from my mom's side is American and my family from my dad's side Spanish. So mm. we were actually there as as expats. So I have some friends, some some acquaintances that still live there, 
but uh, being having gone to an international school, a lot of a lot of friends just kind of moved about and kind of did their own thing. Okay, I see. And uh, you yeah. mentioned um, mentors earlier, so you said Ray Lito. So for anyone listening doesn't know, so he's a Grammy winning producer of Latin music that has worked with um, Julio Iglesias, just to name one, uh, Ricky Martin, Rihanna, and Max McGlynn. So he's a Grammy winning mixing engineer. So let's start That's with right. Ray Lito then, because obviously they're both normally talented and successful in their own way. So tell me about spending time with him and, you know, what you learned from the way he works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Raito is is a unique person in, or a unique character in that uh, and producer in that he comes from a very um, strict flamenco background where he came from because he did that until about 18, 19. Um, and he was considered a prodigious flamenco guitarist. I mean, he's still an amazing guitarist right now. Um, you know, at, at a super young age, he was already playing for the for the royalty here in Spain and and whatnot. Uh, so, he, you know, it was very interesting to see him apply that work ethic and discipline and musicality that he that he learned in the flamenco world into modern production. You know, uh, he's super keen on details and uh, and on the music itself. You know, the harmony, the melody. Uh, stuff that maybe a lot of people don't think about <laughs> anymore. Uh, so yeah, so working, watching him work was was really cool. And and again, you know, you, the music industry seems so foreign. I feel like to some people, when you're first starting out, you know, but then you you're placed in those situations in the studio where you see how it works, and you see how it's built, you know, and then you hear it in the grocery store in the next couple of months, and it's it, it kind of. It kind of takes the mystery away, but it but it really sheds light on that process, which was a really cool experience. You know, it it helps you be a lot more confident in your own way of going about things because you've been able to see how it actually takes place. Right. Okay. And what about your time spent with Max? Max also another person very uh, very detail oriented. He, you know, he's I guess you could say he's kind of a flamenco guitarist of engineering. And that he comes from from the old school where engineers, you know, they had to know about electronics. They had to know how stuff works, how to fix, and 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 more importantly, how to how to move the session forward, and, and obviously, you know, get a good sound. So uh, with him, I was able to participate in some really cool orchestral recordings, uh, including a session in Abbey Road for an artist named Rafael. Uh, who's uh, a, a singer who's been around for for a long time he's, uh, here in Spain and known in the Latin community worldwide. Uh, so so Max was you know it was a very cool cool experience, very interesting to see him work. And he also helped me you know be a bit more disciplined when it comes to being an engineer, you know, and really respecting the craft and really paying attention to to the details, you know, uh, which are important nowadays. Mm. And of course, when you finish, I guess, being mentored by them and everything. So what was your very first engineering job that you got on your own? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I've always, you know, nowadays with the Internet, it's 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 a lot easier to to put yourself out there. So so I've been getting private, you know, personal clients for engineering for a while now. Um, my first one, per se. Woof. Ah, it's hard to tell, you know, because as a as an as as a musician, you you record yourself and you have people come over and stuff like that. I guess 
a good example or or one I would say was my first serious gig was when I I got on my own where where I had written a piece of music and I had basically uh, hired musicians to come into my space and and play the the piece of music that I had written and that was a great exercise for me when it came to miking drums uh, working with a bassist and sitting there and kind of hashing things out getting a good sound uh bringing in a pianist and and being able to practice miking techniques and and things of that nature so you know it, it's more about it's more i feel like it's more about just getting the time on the gear to take off that that doubt you know and then with that you can just kind of go forward and 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 get better and then raito and max obviously or have been came in my path along the way mm-hmm. so to helped inform the way i worked okay so they've had a big influence on you yeah, sure. And uh yeah, absolutely. Raito more so from the producing side and 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 Max from from the engineering side. Uh but uh you know, I really liked how how seriously they take everything because you, it should be taken seriously. It it is it is a job and and it is art at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think all that's important. Yeah, and on the Spanish language, I guess, slash Latin American music industry. So it's booming, as uh, we all know. So I saw right. in 2022, so Latin music revenue exceeded $1 billion for the first time. And last year, it was reported sure. that the Spanish music industry is now the second most listened to language in music across the US. So it's 23% of listeners. So what, yeah. as you're kind of in it, you're you're working really closely with it. What are your observations on the rise in popularity of latin american music and you know how healthy is that market right now that's a great question um i feel like i mean if i'm honest uh, i feel like it might be peaking a little bit you know um reggaeton is great uh it's had an amazing decade almost um in these in these years with really being listened to everywhere me personally you know, I, I feel like it's, you know, once so many people start doing the same thing, it's it's bound to start changing and, and go a different way. So it's hard to tell if it if the fad was reggaeton as mm-hmm. a genre, right, which is the urban urban Latin music, or if the fad or if the trend is Latin music as a whole. I will say that one of the cool things of Latin music having become so mainstream through reggaeton is that now we're starting to hear a lot more actual folkloric um, beats and rhythms being able to come to light, you know, since there's a bit more acceptance of hearing music in Spanish. So now people are are changing the rhythm. You know, they're still singing in Spanish, but but bringing in aspects of, of more, again, more folkloric and more native uh, sounds. Because, of course, we think of Latin music as one industry, but really we're talking about, I don't know, 20, 30 countries, yeah. you know, and each country has their own subdivision of, of Latin music. So so that that's a part that I'm definitely enjoying. As for the reggaeton, me personally, I'm I'm, I'm a little over it. You're a little over it. Okay, you, you are working very closely with it, probably, though, I imagine. Right, a lot of it. right, right, right. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. And, you know, yeah. it's not like, we all know, it's not like Latin Americans suddenly become popular. There's artists that have been popular for decades, you know, Selena, right. Shakira, who you've worked with, you know, Enrique, sure. Daddy Yankee, Ricky True. Martin. But there's this crop of newer artists, you know, Bad Bunny, J Balvin, you know, you know, Carol G. You know, what do you think it is about these newer artists that have helped really drive this um, upsurge in it? 
That's a great question. I mean, I, I fundament, fundamentally think it's about, um, well, first of all, these new artists, a lot of them have been around for a while. It's important to, to keep in mind. But I personally think it has to do with the fact that reggaeton is so danceable. And, uh, you know, it's just fun, quite frankly. Yeah. It's just fun. And uh, and I think that goes a long way. Before reggaeton, I would argue that, I mean, hip-hop is also super popular and trap and all that stuff. But, you know, it's harder to dance to. You know, it's harder to put at a wedding and everybody's to, to, to run to the dance floor. Yeah. Um, so, and before that, we had dance music. You know, electronic music went through a huge, a huge phase in the 2010s and stuff. Uh, which was a higher BPM, you know. So uh, I don't know. I think maybe people just won't like that laid-back rhythm and uh, and enjoy the the melodic phrasing, if you will, of the of the of the rappers uh, that are that are singing over over these reggaeton beats. Mm. I think I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I think you might be right, actually. Um, yeah, and of course, uh, I mentioned there Shakira, who you've worked with. So what did you work on with her? Yeah, so uh, with Shakira, I worked, which was through Rayito. He uh, he produced the song Me Enamore uh, by Shakira. And uh, I got a chance to record some bass for that song. So we were, uh, Rayito had a studio where we were a team of maybe eight to ten people, you know, which everyone would work on their ideas and stuff. And Rayito was working on Shakira at the time. And he said, hey, man, I need a bass for this. He had already written a bass line, but he wanted it re-recorded by a bassist, right? As a flamenco mm-hmm. guitarist, you know, his fingerstyle playing is is with the nails, so the, the tone of the bass is actually different. So he said, man, I need a bassist. You know, I need a bass finger to 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 get to play this. So um, so I did it, and I sent it to him, and and he liked it, and and that was that. It was it was a two hour a two-hour session of playing bass but it was a it turned out to to be a very very successful two hours mm-hmm. yeah i'll say and um so you've mentioned already you're the lead engineer at warner music spain studios so it's the music station in madrid um that's so right this is housed in the iconic former madrid north train station which was actually built in 1861 and headliner was lucky enough to visit this wonderful studio but um what so what kind of artist does this new studio attract and what makes it so unique um well the well first of all i appreciate your research which is great uh that you that you looked it up that's awesome uh yeah so this space is is specifically for for warner music artists uh warner chapel which is the publishing side of warner uh, so it's specifically for catered to to these artists that are signed with the label and with the publisher. It's not open to the public, but uh, there are a lot of artists that that are signed now. So so we have a lot of a lot of traffic coming through. We have five studios. One is a Dolby Atmos. Uh, two are production suites, and then the other two are uh, also production suites, but with vocal booths. So we get a lot of uh, you know, which is one of the cool things we get. A lot of every world, you know, we get the trap, we get pop, mm. we get uh, kids music, even we get, you know, flamenco from time to time. So uh, so a lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, and the cool thing is that we do get to see people that are that are signed or even artists that are negotiating with. So we kind of get an inside view into into what's going to happen next or who's going to show up where. And uh, and sometimes we get artists that we're we're fans of ourselves. So in those regards, it's it's a pretty cool experience. And and as an engineer, there's a lot of toys here to play with. 
So, uh, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. And is it mostly uh, Latin American music or is it international artists as well? So it's going to be Spanish artists, right? So uh, we do get Latin American artists that are that live here in Spain, right? So so we'll abs- absolutely get anything from reggaeton to pop rock to flamenco, like I said. Um, but as you imagine, being here in Spain, the grand- the vast majority are are Spanish descent per yeah, se. Of course, yeah. Um, okay, on to a couple more of your credits. So you've also worked with, you know, Becky G, Netflix, Movie Star, Paramount Plus. So right. what did you work on with Becky G? So Becky G was here, I want to say a year and a half ago. Uh, she was here to record some collaborations with Spanish artists. Some of those collaborations made it out, some did not. And uh, and I was fortunate enough to record vocals for a session for two days here in Metropole Studios. Um, I own a Telefunken 251, which is a, a high-end mic, which is great for vocals, and and a lot of vocalists love it. And uh, I rent it out, so so labels know to call me, and I obviously also offer recording services, so they'll call me. I'll show up with the mic, and uh, and we will record. So yeah, it was just a vocal vocal session with her. Okay, and um, what was that? What did that look like? Were there many takes? Did you not have to do much? Um, it wasn't too bad. Uh, Be- Becky definitely likes harmonizing, as most singers do. So uh, so we had our lead, and then the most of the time was spent creating harmonies, which for me is great. I mean, making making harmonies is a great way to give it give vocals, you know, layers and. And just to make them a lot more interesting, so that was that was definitely a, a big part of it. Okay. And um, what about Netflix? Because they've obviously got a place in Madrid too, haven't they? So you just work on the Spanish language stuff, right? Exactly. They have this play. They have a a large complex. I haven't been to it per se, um, but uh, they do do a lot of production. A lot of production here in in Spain. I've got the chance. Well, that was actually with Max Miglin, where I did the orchestral recordings for soundtracks. Okay. So yeah, so a lot of those are, are orchestral recordings, which were done with the uh, Comunidad de Madrid Orchestra, which is a local orchestra. They have a great rehearsal space, which we were, uh, rented out a bunch of gear and basically turned it into a studio. It was maybe fifty. 50 lines at a time. But that was a great experience because it actually allowed me to do stuff in 5.1 and 7.1, which kind of gave me a great primer for Atmos for when I came over over to Warner. So it was a great sequence of events in those regards. Okay. And are you finding Netflix quite a big driver in terms of Atmos content for, you know, soundtracks and audio for TV? Sure. I mean, when it comes to videos... Uh, I think Atmos is almost preferred. You know, they they they'll probably go as as far as they as far as they can. I know Netflix has a couple Atmos studios here in the Madrid complex. So uh, yeah, you know, everybody wants to be cutting edge, and that's definitely uh, Adobe Atmos for for now. Mm, absolutely. Um, what about in terms yeah. of um, do you have a personal favorite project? It might not even be you know the biggest name artist or this big show or something, but something that right. you personally just really enjoyed. That's a great question. Uh, I'm going to have to say what I'm working on now, but I, I can't divulge what it is quite yet. Okay. Um, Don't need to break but, any NDAs. <laughs> literally, yeah, <laughs> literally. Uh, but uh, it is an Atmos, 
and it is a live performance. So, so that part was really cool because we got a chance to record in Atmos, you know, so we had a microphone array with, for the four heights and, and also the surrounds and stuff. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this is going to turn out. Okay. Well, I'm sure you're looking forward to being able to talk about it one day. So as well, nice as well. It, I'd like to brag about it, but not, we, I can't. Not quite, quite yet. yet. Okay, there's time, yeah. there's time. What about an artist, if you could pick anyone, dream artist, to Ooh. work with in the studio? Oh, wow. That's that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, dream artist. I don't know. I mean, I had a lot of fun working with an artist called Santa Marta. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan uh, of this group. Uh, they're based here in Madrid, but it's a trio of two guys from southern Spain, from Andalusia, and a gentleman who's Venezuelan. So it's this great fusion of Latin American folklore, uh, folk music or folklore music with uh, Andalusian rhythms and some electronic beats thrown in and it's a lot of fun and i got a chance to work with them on some on some records on some songs so i mean the I, I just enjoy working with them to be perfectly honest okay that's a good answer yeah and it's, it's already happening so there you go sure yeah <laughs> that's good exactly. um all right let's talk a little bit about you know the tech behind the scenes making all this music possible so i know you fell in love with janlek when you were working under Elito who was loaned right. some speakers, right, by Audio-Technica in Spain. So tell me about your That's first right. impressions of these Genelec monitors. Yeah, I mean, we, because uh, I was kind of assisting, I was kind of assisting Rayo, I was kind of, you know, consulting, and he would say, hey, man, I'm thinking of this, thinking of that. I mean, I think he was already playing around with Genelecs, and we all liked how they sounded. And since Rayo had rented out a studio space with multiple rooms, he had to outfit all the rooms, mm -hmm. right? So... So they they brought us the Genelex. We, I mean, we knew we liked the sound, but what really blew us away was the once you added the SAM into it, because the SAM, of course, being the the room correction. Yeah. Um, because once you take the room out of the equation, you know, and all these uh, biases that the room introduces, it really lets the speaker shine. So so we were really able to appreciate the low end and the punch of a Genelec, which is great, you know, especially when you're producing, it's, it's, it, it gives you a lot of, uh, a lot of, I don't want to say hype, but it, but it, it really puts you in, in the music and, and we really enjoyed that. So for me, it was that, that kind of did it. And then after a while, I was able to use some 8240s in that space with the Sam and I was able to tune them to the room pretty well. And I was mixing in there and I just loved it. I just okay. loved it. Didn't I didn't need a sub or anything. Wow. Okay. Clearly made a strong impression. I know you've recently purchased some um, 8340s for your home studio, right? So why did you right. go for those particular ones? Well, these precisely were the ones I was using. I was using the 8240s, which are basically the same, but but one generation prior of Sam. Got it. And uh and I was I just enjoyed those so much and I knew them so well. And you know, and I've heard a lot of speakers, but I just at, at that point but i said you know if i know these so well and i and i know i like them might as well just just jump in mm -hmm. you know and i've been pretty happy fantastic well that's all that matters isn't it um yeah great um so if you're allowed to say then of course not including the secretive project you're working on at the moment have you got anything else on the horizon you're allowed to talk about or you'd like to share but more Atmos, definitely mm -hmm. going to be a lot more Atmos coming out of Warner Music. 
And uh, just that at the moment, just that at the moment, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, I just hope more people get to experience it, how it's meant to be experienced with the, with the uh, speaker setup. Yeah. What in the homes you mean? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the only, I think that's the only challenge left really is to, to get that translation into, into the homes of people. Once that's done, I think people will be, will be sold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, then. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've loved hearing about, you know, your journey from Peru to where you are now, all the music you're working on, obviously your speakers. So thanks so much for sharing and all the, you know, the interesting comments you said about Dolby Atmos in Spain. No so I'm sure there'll be lots more stuff to come uh, from yourself. And I look forward to hearing about whatever you're working on at the moment someday in the future. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll share the link if it comes out by the time this comes out or I'll send you the link either way. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. I'm going to let you go then. And thanks so much for your time today. Already. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.